0: Hello and welcome to the Fram Jacket Podcast with the founder of Fram and the maker of the jackets and the talker of things, uh, Nick Hussey, that's me. Um, And this episode is really, really special. First of all, because I think it's really, really good. Like for me, I just feel like it's probably the best distillation of where where I'm trying to get to with Fram. Um, And I think one of those reasons is it's because it's with someone who's a really genuine hero of mine, um, Mark Herbert who is the co-founder of Warp Films and producer of some of my favourite ever films from around where I grew up, uh, with one of my favourite directors, Shane Meadows, who did This Is England, um, and he did recently The Virtues with Stephen Graham, and, you know, actors I absolutely love, Stephen Graham, uh, Paddy Considine. it goes on and on, and because of my love of film, my wife's love of film, um, and, and British real film it's just like a massive thing and then it turns out Mark is in cycling and so we got to know each other through that and he's just everything that I think about with Fran which is he, he's an honest down-to-earth bloke who tries really hard and has succeeded at things also you know is you know he's very open to the fact that he's had a really. You know, tough times in his life I don't think he'd ever say he'd had a really tough life I think he would think that was over the top but you know he there's some amazing things he's doing and has done um, from a kind point of view as well as from a creative point of view and he's just such a great chap because I have built it up quite a lot because I've been trying for 18 months to do it he's just been too busy not surprisingly um, including having a bit of a sort of breakdown which he talks about and and also because it's a big deal for me, um, and it's a big deal for Fram, really. You know, um, so so for it to just be great, probably because most of the time I let him talk. Uh, for once, um, I'm just made up. And so, if you want an example of what Fram is about, excellence in what you do and trying your best, but also knowing when you're hitting the wall, but knowing when things are going wrong and not presenting you know a veneer version of jackets or the world or yourself then this is it so um Abpoc, you know there are podcasts are great in many different ways but for me probably because i just listened to it again finally you know a couple of weeks later i brought myself to re- listen to it because i get scared that it's rubbish that i've backed it up you know i just think yeah Mark nailed it, brilliant. So thank you so much to Mark, you know, uh, what a fantastic bloke, and I think you'll really enjoy this one, uh, especially if you're into film. Hello, Mark Herbert. How are Hi. you? I'm all right, thank you. I <laughs> always say like that me. because I just feel like so forced way to start. Um, so, um, I always like to give a definition of what I know of that person You can maybe tell me there's something different How you perceive yourself So you are a uh, producer of films and TV programmes Yeah um, And you are co-founder and managing director of Warp Films Yeah, um, not co-founder I mean it was founded by a
1: couple of mates Okay Did um, uh, the, the record company But then I joined before before they started to trade if you like and took over as, as now joint CEO. Cool. Um, and yeah, and I produce, produce some of the material
0: as well. Um, you are a dad and you um, you work with Shane Meadows, uh, British director, hopefully people know about, who's famous for uh, this in England. You've just done The Virtues recently. Yeah. So I've got a chance to... I've been chasing you for 18 months, really. Or you <laughs> you actually chasing me in the end, yeah. which is very nice. Um, but... We know each other, you know, a little bit just because um, you're actually quite into cycling. Yes. Um, and I had a cycling company called Volpine, and you had a bit of our kit, and then you very kindly invited us to uh, the um, the live playing the music to um, Demian Shoes. Yes. All time favorite movies. I um, think the BFI or something like that. And we had snacks yep. and stuff. That was it. My wife is a producer of commercials and films and looks up to you a great deal. I used to produce commercials and music videos, so I have to declare, so I get this out of the way, because I hate the whole fan sort of stalkery <laughs> thing. So there is an aspect of me she goes, holy shit Mark Herbert, he's made some of my all-time favourite films, not just saying that you say here like genuinely, I'm from the East Midlands and from South Nottingshire and you know, Paddy Constantine's my favourite actor and there's all kinds of shitloads of connections, warp. Tech music, there's just everything mixed in there, you know, having been clubber, etc. So like Warp, what you've done, Shane done, etc. is incredibly close to emotional connection to me. So I'm going to completely ignore that, slightly ignore that, um, and I don't want to sort of make this a purely film podcast. And how did you do that? And you know, what Shane really like, or any of that sort of fluffy stuff, as I call it. As I, I'm always want with Fran to talk about real life. Yes, and what I would imagine, just from having brushed it across production, actually, literally around the corner, uh, a small place called Nice Shirt Films, when I was in making commercials, with music videos, was just that. Actually, most of production isn't that glamorous, and it can be very, very hard, and family life and stuff like that. And just the real life of it. Look, it, everything looks great. You look like you know this big producer, uh, and, and you are, but there's also this probably a hell of a lot of shit you have to deal with as well. Yes, I mean it's
1: probably it is a very I mean it's a great job don't get me wrong you wouldn't be doing otherwise I guess um, there are lots and lots of amazing things about it creating working with creative people Um, so I'm not going to sort of you know but there are some certain amounts of stresses about being a film TV producer CEO of a film company which is a kind of hand to mouth existence which Mm. is you know you're uh, you know, as soon as you've delivered a film or a TV project, you've got to be worried about the next one.
0: Uh, you've got staff. And it's years in the making of all these things, aren't uh, they?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the sort of... If you think about um, a couple of films that... Like Ghost Stories that we did, one of the late last films that we did, we, and Yardy, the Idris Elba film, they were like five years in development. Wow. And then the two years to make, you know... Um, uh, Virtues was actually quite a quick development process because it's Shane and he's got this great track record. But then the edit was 18 months. So these these projects take over your life somewhat, yeah. like a lot of things in business do. And that's always been a tough thing to balance out. Mm. Um, and I still don't know if I've got th- the answer. <laughs> I don't think any of us have. I don't
0: think we um, have to do, really.
1: But there are little things that you learn as you get older that... Um, that you try and implement but ultimately the main thing is just the the 24-7 nature of production Mm. Um, it's quite interesting because I just finished a film uh, everyone's talking about Jamie which is Mm. a musical which is a bit of a departure from Warp uh, in terms of it being a musical um, is it with Warp or is it separate? no it's a Warp yeah Mm. it's Warp production Um, and what's interesting about that is that it was a 12-week shoot Which is a long shoot. If you think that Four Lions that we made was five weeks, Mm. Dead Man's Shoes was three. Wow, eighteen days. This is England was
0: six. Is that so? Dead Man's Shoes was that a budget restriction more than anything? Uh,
1: Oh yeah, yeah, budget restriction. Right, yeah. I mean, often it is. Um, And also, the budget was the aesthetic of that film in that we, we 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 realized that we wanted to make a film that allowed Shane and Paddy to do what they do brilliantly. And by stripping away all the tools and making it as lean as possible, the crew were what we could fit in a minibus, famously. That was what mm. we decided. So we had little things like, no, not massive of camera equipment. The actors in the modern day only got cha- ne- never got changed. wore well, the same clothes. Right. You didn't need a big, big costume yeah. and makeup. Yeah. We filmed on location with natural light. So those yeah. things mean you can film quicker.
0: There's a, lot of, there's a degree of freedom involved in that a Massive well.
1: amount of freedom. Mm. I mean, the last film I did... We, it's like the circus coming into town mm. I mean some days we have thousands of extras wow in costume it's a musical singing and dancing so the complications so you're probably filming Dead Man's Shoes were probably uh, sort of filming the film ended up with 90 minutes so if three weeks you, you're filming a lot of minutes a day you know mm. Mm. Uh, whereas in 12 weeks you, you know your amount of things that you're actually putting in a can that end up in the final edit is much much less it's maybe one and a half minutes a day
0: I, I, I never, material I material. I always um, when I, I I can remember um, some friends desperate to come on our shoot when I was doing a music video, and I said honestly you, you, <laughs> you know, like it's a really not a glamorous thing, and they turned yeah. up they were extras on a I think it was a Magic Numbers uh, track something like that, and and I had to beg them not to leave because like they've been making up the numbers because <laughs> yeah. uh, they it, it's basically it's just Sparks walking around, <laughs> moving stuff around, and the rest of the time is staring at the sausage, sausage rolls, you know. Oh it's, yeah, I mean I my, it was quite funny because.
1: Some of the stuff that I've made in the past is either subject matters can be quite dark, or it's quite, you know it's not something that you bring your kids on to set. Right on, um, and you know my, all my kids. Well, actually, my eldest daughter did a bit of running on it, and the kids were came up to set. Uh, How old are your kids? One Evie, my eldest, is twenty-one in Feb. Bethany's sixteen in Jan, and I've got Sam, who's twelve. Mm-hmm. So, but what was interesting is that my mum and dad wanted to because they've seen the West End stage show. Mm. They go, come and be in it because they loved it. And it was like literally three hours in. And and some friends were like, are we doing it again? (laughs) I couldn't understand that we were doing this 30 second scene all day from every angle possible, covering every actor
0: possible. Mm.
1: Mm. And there's that, but yeah, it's quite, they they just think it's a lot of pressure
0: for you. Something like, do you think, or do you don't feel that?
1: I hate it when family come on set. (laughs)
0: <laughs> not hate
1: it as in because of them but because you feel like I'm in a different zone mm, and that's, mm. that sometimes is probably going back to what we're talking about just the the insane hours and pressure and because production is so t- you know the, the, the amount of costs you're doing per day and you might only have an actor who is a lead mm. like for two weeks or mm. three weeks of the 12 mm. so you have to shoot all of their scenes together Or an actor before. So that, you're balancing that. So you're having to do those hours and the the efficiency, you've got 200 people that come on day one of crew, 200 crew members who have not, not, most of them haven't met each other before. Mm. And all these actors, obviously they've rehearsed, but they've not rehearsed massive amounts like they do in theatre. And you're just trying to keep this mad thing floating. And and something always goes wrong. Yeah, three things a day. Is my rule, and and if
0: you get your three, you like okay. Three three
1: things go wrong every day, and I'm saying three things that could be like something not too know, and and four bad things a week, you know, that's
0: like shutting in the fan, yeah, sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, and you've got to be so efficient, and so you cannot because you, if you've only got like so we had uh, you know, and the last time we had an actor who was uh, literally flying to the states um, on this Saturday morning, and he finished on the Thursday. And we had to get all of his scenes in and him change his hair for when he went over to the States in which right. he was going to the States for f- five months. Right. So you've got the pressure to get those scenes mm. in. And you... And we had to... <laughs> it's crazy. We're not in LA. The pressure on creativity as well, I guess. Well, there's a pressure on creativity, but also the, one of the... It was funny because we had American execs on this, American finances, who came to set a lot and they could not believe our weather. <laughs> and I mean this in the... And I mean this... It's really weird. On days we wanted rain it was sunny and we, had, we brought rain machines in. Days we needed sun, it was raining. That British weather, it's so... And you can literally... This summer was crazy. We had like oh, yeah. four seasons in one day. Like cold, windy, sunny, cloudy. Mm. But because you might be shooting a 30-second scene, of which the light's got to be consistent, right. and you do one person's close-up for three hours, you turn around and suddenly it's raining on the close-up of the other person in that no. scene, yeah. you stop. You have yeah. to go and do something else. Because you cannot... <laughs> Yeah, I mean I know there are things you can do but they sort of like Martin. so it's a crazy amount of like the, the variables of what can go wrong
0: and, and I don't think it's people are quite always understand what is also achievable my wife uh, infamously for, in our family anyway once did a car commercial in Iceland and there was a sudden blizzard mm. and literally the blizzard came down and you, you, couldn't, you literally couldn't see where you were walking and the car was completely covered in snow and the uh, client said why why are you not stop shooting? They went. Well, this is dangerous. We literally can't see nothing. We went. Just take it and post. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there is that thing yeah. it Everybody says that now. Can you move it? Yeah. It's changed so much since we did. This is England, the film, which was on shot on film, and you, know, you get a car, or a modern car, parked when it's supposed to be 1983, and it can completely ruin the shot. Right. And taking it out and post then on film was a massive expense, mm-hmm. time-consuming, and that was a low-budget film, really. You know, and then. Um, so now it is literally just because uh, on this is England. It's interesting you say that the street we filmed on had loads of satellite dishes, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be eighty three yep. filmed on the street in Nottingham, and, not good. and that then we had to negotiate with the uh, with the neighbourhood to take all of these satellite dishes down for the two weeks we were doing the exteriors, and then wow. put them back up again. Right. That was cheaper than wow. than doing now you paint them out and it takes like 10 minutes yeah on digital so it's crazy and what if somebody
0: refuses to negotiate and they want their skybox (laughs) for
1: the whole time that's (laughs) an interesting I used to do that job called location managing and that is a skill Mm. in itself negotiating because ultimately we're just a film crew and the worst thing is and coming from coming up from the north and growing up in a little mining town um and the first film I worked at locations was brassed Off back in Basel you do get these people who come and think that they can own the place just because they're in a North Face jacket and got a radio <laughs> and, um, and they drive a uh, Land Rover right. probably and, um, and there are these and it's the easiest way to wind up you've got to integrate yourselves in the community make mm. them feel part of it if you can you know obviously there are some people that don't mm. want you there uh, which you have to deal with but we always and Shane's great at this we, you know, always make sure that we don't feel like we're these outsiders that are coming in, taking the piss and then leaving, you know? Um, and so the location manager, I've used the same location manager from Dead Man Shoes to Jamie, actually, so for 20, and he's great. He just knows how to talk to people. Mm. Doesn't go in waving money around, because that's also yeah. the problem. Yeah. And because, you know, you go and see, I remember it was. There was a load of people, and we had somebody, get, get, you know, he, there was supposed to be no washing out on this day Mm. just these two women getting up really early to hang the washing out and these and I remember somebody giving somebody 20 quid to put the washing back in and we went to film the next day and everybody had the washing out at (laughs) 7 in the morning and it was like (laughs) and suddenly it's just why why wouldn't you do that you know so so yeah so we tried to on the the gym we tried to get people in as extras Mm. make them feel part of it Um, and that's a big important
0: thing I, I think um talking about that in the locations is um, I really I try and always remember that we're all peers and so I, I really hate it if I'm called sir on the phone. Mm-hmm. It's kind of disingenuous anyway because they, you know. and also I just really hate that deferment We go to a posh restaurant, I'd much rather go to a pub and have a meal if you go to a really posh restaurant and suddenly people are saying you're better than me and I, I absolutely hate that, it's a horrible feeling yeah. um, and I guess we're all looking for respect basically.
1: Yeah. And it, is, and it is that respect, and it's talking, it's looking people, you know, um, looking people in the eye, being honest, mm. just saying, please, will you just, mm. would you just mind moving out of the way for this scene? Because if you want to come and watch, mm. if you go and stand where we are, you can watch everything, but in the moment you're in shot, as opposed to get out of the way, it's a different, you know, it's just...
0: That, I was just thinking about it, is, is the, uh, the, the, that sort of respect and interest in other people really shows in the work you do obviously Shane mm-hmm. does because um, you know that it's a it's just a, a group of people that generally don't get on to mm-hmm. films um, and an aspect of life and it's never done with a sort of sneering attitude and everyone's you know everyone's got their own lives that are sort of fully formed and you know that's what you know I guess relating to Fram is I'm constantly interested in buying and not shocked by but fascinated by not always in a good way is that I talk to people all the time so one of these sort of byproducts bad phrase for you know sort of talking honestly about mental and mental health is mm-hmm. that strangers men who feel they can talk to me because I'm kind of a stranger but they know that I've been through something kind of feel they can talk to me and um, and so it, you know it's, it's terrible that they, they feel I'm the person they should talk to I'm not qualified to so I can quite often feel quite uncomfortable I'm very happy to help but I, I, I can't help with them I'm not, I'm not trained to do that and I was thinking that that um, a lot of the work that you've done is about empathy, and it's about relating to stories and things that people people have done, gone through and are, are trying to recover from or have recovered from, or they keep cropping up. And um, just to finish my sort of splurge of information, is I read about um, Shane Meadows, uh-huh. what he went through as a kid, yes. and that really deeply affected me because I was I wasn't. Uh, uh, abused, sexually abused, but I was um, really badly physically abused for a lot of my childhood. And um, by just kids at school, I was just beaten, had the shit beaten out of me almost every day. And um, yeah, I had a bit of a sort of man cry for that one. But it, it, as soon as I saw that, I think I messaged you actually. I just said, now it all makes sense. Yes. That amount of empathy, yeah. that caring about what people have been through, only comes when you've had it. Yes. Yeah. And, and now it ties up. And now I get what he does. Yeah, Like, why does it?
1: Yeah, and it's incredible. And I think there's always... Obviously, that was very... Um, there's always a, a, an autobiographical nature to, to, to Shane's work. And also, what I love about Shane is whether it's Combo in This Is England, who, you know, he... There's no black and white mm. in these characters. Yeah, that's important, yeah. There's no good and evil. They mm. kind of coexist. the mm. humour... You know, humour and darkness coexist. You can have the, you know, Shane does a brilliant thing where mm. you're laughing one minute and then you're horrified the next. Yes, yeah. and that's where we grew up. You know, and I can, I think me and Shane got on so well. Uh, it's we probably grew up in a similar environment. Uh, um, I was in South Yorkshire, and he grew up in um, in Uttoxeter. Mm. Um, Similar family, you know, like I think there's, there's similarities there to knowing what that was like and that period of life. But what Shane's got brilliantly and not many is this he's just always searching for the truth, and even if it's dealing with what Lowell went through, in this is England, mm. so even though that's not something that he at that time, you know, it, it she they were dealing with a subject matter that he immerses himself, and actually the actors bring a little bit of their past to them uh, to, to the story. Um, he 's constantly listening oh, it was um, unbelievable Dan. and he so so obviously virtues, and actually that 's why i'm down down today i 'm meeting Shane sure. in a couple of hours we're, we're, we're going to the mind media awards mm. which virtues up for, up for um, a, a nominated in the best drama category um, and I think that you know that just i mean that that story. It's just... I mean, like, people could not believe... I've had people come up to me. I actually saw somebody at the weekend who... uh, A lad i go and watch football with who had had his demons with alcohol Mm. and said that the first episode, which was literally so brave for Shane to sort of... Literally just... Really just tell a story of one... I mean, there are are moments in that that are completely against drama, traditions in terms of TV. You have a whole part where a guy doesn't really talk Mm. and doesn't talk to anyone. There's no... There's, no, you know, there's not a lot of other characters in it. It's just a portrait of one man, Steve, brilliantly played by Stephen Graham. Yeah. And that's so grave to do. But I've literally had so many people come up to me and this guy I saw on Sunday went to watch mm. the Liverpool Man U match and he was saying that scene in the pub, he just said he has been there. Mm. He goes in on his own and then cut to eight hours later he's mm. somewhere he doesn't know he's going to be. Mm. That kind of on and off switch vibe the mm. sort of once you pop you can't stop. And we would just had a very open chat and I think what you're talking is that it's different, you know. Like you, you, I guess, because of some of that work, people do sometimes come and talk to me, and I've opened up a little bit. A lot could open up a lot more, but you know, I think it's really important that blokes talk <laughs> mm. and admit vulnerability. We don't admit our vulnerability. No. You know, it's always taught be strong. You know, be you know, be brave. Stiff up a lip. Stop. Wipe your tears away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of vibe and you do that and actually sometimes when you're at your most vulnerable having, and I've had a few times in the last sort of five years really where I felt re- really bad and, um, and had to take some time off is that it's you don't admit it and then it's too late
0: <laughs> especially if you're a producer uh, you, you're all about solutions about getting there making sure it happens you know mm. it's never say die you know yeah. uh, you know, well, I see that in my wife. She's, you know, I, I was always like an exec producer. I was yeah. basically just dealing with clients and making sure they are happy. She, she's a proper producer. She's a proper organiser. She's a fine solutions. And I think that also tends, I've seen from other people, to happen in your personal life is, yeah. I just need to find a solution to this. I'll work it out. It'll be fine. Yes. I just need to nail that, that thing. Of course. Oh, God. It's, that's when it's the, the hardest thing to do when you
1: can't, you think, like, literally, I'm a problem solver. Yeah. You, you you instigate a project. You you, you, you don't inst- often is it but you, you see an idea, or somebody comes to you with an idea. You then help that person enable, make that idea, get it funded, build a crew, get the right team around it. You go and shoot it, and then you do this. But constantly, every day, there's a problem, and you're there to solve it. The stop you know, and you. I have an incredible team of, and I've got this thing now where it's you learn. I will try and deal with every problem because I grew up on little, especially on low-budget films, when there's 12 of you in a minibus, you are dealing with every problem. Whereas on a bigger film, when you can't, if you do that, your head will explode. Right. Um, you then go like, just, okay, anything up to six out of 10, you deal with seven, let's talk, eight, I'll be, You know, mm. and you have to put these little structures around, because if you try and micromanage, and you don't delegate, and you don't trust people, and that's ultimately it, you've got to have, find people, mm. and I work a lot with that I've worked with for years, um, it's been able to. And you know, when you're doing that day in, day out, and day in, day out, often my things when things fall down or that you're get hyper stressed is when you're trying to take that home with you, mm. and you, there's a different dynamic <laughs> at family life. Mm. You know, and your job is there to deal with it, and you've got a bit of, but you know, you've got family. I've got you know, com- it, family life isn't like that.
0: Right.
1: You don't can't just sort of do what you've learned over experience. Yeah. You can be caring, you can be listening, but you cannot. So that push and pull of family and work is a really hard thing that I've tried to navigate with
0: for years. You are away a lot as a producer as well. Y- yes, I
1: used to be more than... The weird thing was, I was actually more away when I was a location manager. Okay. Because location managers, you might be employed for six to nine months. Wow. Um, and you're away. And you're in a car. You're just searching. Trying, searching. And weirdly, one of the things that made me become a producer was when my wife Anita became preg she got pregnant with Evie and I was location and I thought about being a producer. I used to mm. what, location managing. You're the first person on a job, and you're driving directors and producers and writers around We're really early in the process, and you're finding the locations. And I just used to listen. What's great? You pick them up from a station, and you drive them around for three days. But between locations, you were just a taxi driver, and I just used to listen. Oh, and it was like literally two hours of the most amazing better than any film school of when and I worked with some brilliant producers and I worked with some not great producers mm. and I picked up what I felt was directors and writers having their vision taken away from them often Wow. and I was like this is rock you know I literally thought and I could, I'd love to do this I think I can do this I kind of know locations is great because you get to know all the crew mm. I'd had no experience of post-production so I, one of the reasons I wanted to become a producer was one, to be in control of my own destiny a bit, and also, I didn't want to be away nine months of the year when we are about to have our first child, Evie. Mm. So I thought, I'll be a producer. And I just, you know... And how did you go about doing that? Well, at first, I, <laughs> completely naively, met, you know, we um, just thought, oh, let's develop some projects and just got an office, and you know, well, what do we do? with it? Who's what do
0: that you and Shane? Or... No,
1: no, this, is, this was way before Warp, actually. Um, but what was great then was that I used to do budgets for people and schedules because I'd done production management, location management. So I knew how to structure a production. Right. So to keep the bill, to pay for the bills, which weren't much of the time, my house, 32 grand was the house that we lived in, a um, little terrace house in Sheffield. And so, so it wasn't a massive overhead. My wife was nursing. So there was, literally she paid the bills. But to keep things ticking over, I'd do a schedule for someone or I'd do a couple of days location managing a mm. commercial. Or I do a couple of days doing a budget, so that kept me things ticking over. And then I got, um, and then I produced, became a producer for hire. So I was trying to develop stuff, but I would then go and work for the company, so it wouldn't be something that I'd generated. And the, but I would be hired as a producer. And the first proper producing gig I got was Phoenix Nights. Oh, the cool! First series, wicked. And Peter K, because me and Peter met on us and got on, love the subject, and was that, that was. Sub- That was in... um, So it was in Bolton. Yeah. Falmouth in Bolton and Granada Studios in Manchester. Mm. And that was a baptism of fire as a producer. But what was amazing is nobody knew at the time that it became a success. And then, like anything, which becomes a success, you then... It's easier to get an interview for your next job. Um,
0: And I did that... You had to take that risk, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I was really... I was younger than most of the crew and it it was tough. Um... Uh, I was away a lot then. I was in Manchester. We just had Evie was a toddler, but it was a real eye opener and a real great learning curve. It did well, and then Warp came about. Um, there were a couple of mates that I played football with. Had a record company. Had a vision to create this film company that was actually going to do many short films and videos and really cool, visionary. And um, I helped them out with the business plan. And then tragically, this was Rob and Steve. Um, who set up what records and Rob Mitchell tragically got got diagnosed with cancer and died not long after. And it was during the sort of aftermath of that. And I got offered a lot of things to produce for another company, right. but I just love what, what we're doing. Um, right. just after Rob's wake, actually, it was we, me and Steve, who is the other the mm. world records, um, co-founder, we got on really well. Um, drank a lot too much and we're like literally at the end of that sort of like week after the funeral we're like right I'll I'll take this over for six months and if I do because he was ready to just maybe Jack he didn't know what yeah. to do with his company having lost his business partner mm. and a record company to run. so we just went into we met and we met up a couple of times and was like right I'll try and get some projects off the ground this is what you think you need to do they'd had, they'd had a grant from a company called Nesta and I said, but I want part of it, because I'm going to give up, I'd set up this partnership with someone oh, else, mm. wasn't quite working out creatively, I'd been offered some of the things worth a hell of a lot more money, but just took this risk, and yeah. went from having been offered a job, which was paying decent producer weekly fee for like a like 40 week contract, and did the Chris Morris show, which was four grand,
0: that was <laughs> for like a year. I <laughs> thing, but it was like a barcode, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it Paddy, yeah, uh, yeah. MyROMS. Yes, Uh, isn't it? My wrongs and a number of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah, I can remember watching that and going, oh my God, it's Chris Morris.
1: Paddy
0: (laughs) Consolidine, and that was really the instigator of
1: Dead Man's Shoes. And then since then, everything has happened quite organically. Right. It's always been contact,
0: contacts. But it was that big step. It was that big risk. Um, All I'm thinking all the time is, uh, like as a... I I don't try not to call myself an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. because I'm a small business person because then I stopped trying to think big, which is the problem with my previous company, you know, trying to get too big, which is unsafe. And now it's a family company because it's there to support the family, it's not to become yes. big or famous or like that. But I can't keep thinking. Basically, all, you, you set up a company and every production you do is basically setting up a business. Uh-huh. It's having an idea, getting it funded, putting together the people to get it done, yes. making sure it gets done, dealing with a shitload of problems and making sure it, You know, it's the A to Z. Yes. That, that's what I love about what I do is, you know, if you don't do anything, nothing happens. But if you do start stuff and you stick at it and you deal with the problems and you don't give up, eventually you get something that you can feel really proud about. Yes, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, and that's when you said early on that it's tough. I, because
1: you know, you got me. You know, and I've done those. I've done so many different jobs. I mean, especially when you're early days in your career and you're volunteering in films, companies, and. Working as an, in- you know, you might work as an intern, but you're still doing your bit of landscape gardening, bit of bar work, painting. Is this all in Sheffield? Or yeah, what? yeah. This yeah. is all, and and I guess, but what's great about what we do there is a end, an end result. So you work on something that might really take its toll on your health, and wow. your mental health, and your and your physical health, mm. exhaustion. But you've got something to kind of show. Yeah. And that's, I, don't, I did that. not Yeah, and it's really interesting because without that, I don't think I'd have lasted anything like this really? in our time. no not at all because you come to the end and I've you know and there's things
0: thread that you could hang on to
1: yeah I mean it's it's interesting because I know when we did lose touch for a while it was because um, a couple of things one is and is that I literally like literally collapsed with exhaustion mentally and physically after a project and it was just to do with the you, adrenal fatigue whatever you want to call it I was mm. literally just working on this project for two and a half years um, it, was, it was this is England 90 mm. it was tough on me you know like everybody's all the, I remember me and Shane were in London away from our families in the edit and we were literally working on the fourth episode while the third episode had just been on TV we watched the third episode in Shane's room at the courthouse <laughs> hotel God. and they're thinking that if we don't finish this yeah. There is nothing to put on telly on 9 o'clock on Sunday night. National TV. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just relentless. And this is a build-up. This is a build-up. we both are feeling it. And you kind of have that pressure of being mm. feeling guilty about being away from your family. is one thing. And your, the hours you're having to put in are just... And I just remember literally coming... Uh, just going back that last week. And I did a talk at Channel 4. It was really weird. I did this talk for the staff at Channel 4 about about the show because mm. um, even though we'd not even actually <laughs> technically delivered it right. uh, the last step. and I remember getting on the f- and I was just feeling I felt alright I felt alright I went to this talk and it was like the last thing and things there was a few things happening at home with my kids a few issues and I remember getting on the escalator at St Pancras and I literally just got to the top of the escalator and nearly passed out mm. and I literally just had nothing left mm. I really just like somebody helped me got me got me a sweet cup of tea <laughs> you know and I got on the train Was it for people up... around you or would you uh, yeah I just was like wobbly um, I didn't faint I just felt really cre- like really crazy and uh, it was busy it was that kind of like like that like sort of mad five six o'clock train and anyway I got on the train and uh, this is England we went on telly on the Sunday night um, I couldn't watch it just couldn't watch the last step sometimes you have your friends around or family Mm. couldn't watch it at all and then the next day I just couldn't get out of bed and then the next day and then the next day and then a week later I was still struggling and so it's
0: new to you this
1: I'd had exhaustion before right and you always have this thing at the end of a shoot where you get a little bit you're working with all these people and it's insane you've got this like mad extended family and then everyone leaves Mm. and a lot of people get what they call the blue, that post blues you've got all these
0: hormones going yeah. around and then suddenly and
1: you're on this agenda but that's at the end of a shoot and that goes after a couple of weeks yeah. and you're in the edit which is a totally different rhythm as a producer because you're going through and looking after 100 people to only having 5 or 6 people to yeah. worry about and they're just in a dark room all day um, and so there's more less things that can go wrong mm. but this was different this was and this was just to do with I think the responsibility the fear of maybe not getting it on yeah um, the fear of um, pressure, pressure risk, yeah what if we you know you're going through like, what if we don't what if and you think about the worst case scenario and I think it was just and by the way this is after like a couple of years
0: yeah yeah that's um, what I'm thinking is all this and, time was. and it's just
1: it little and it was just that, that famous straw that broke the camel's back and I guess yeah, this yeah. thing and I felt relieved but I, I couldn't I just I had nothing I am literally the tank was empty and that was interesting because the tack it took me weeks to fill it up
0: again weeks is not bad but yeah good. but it was like horrible weeks yeah
1: yeah and, and I've, I've always I do, I've always got a lot of energy and I'm mm, quite a, mm. I was like a high be, kid yeah. I, you know like literally nothing nothing right. and literally I just eased the people take the mickey now because apparently when, I, when I'm really stressed at the end of a job I literally finish the job and I cannot just stop I normally jet wash everything or decorate some bedrooms. <laughs> because there's something about stopping that is, mm. doesn't work.
0: You've got to grade down.
1: Yeah, but some jet washing is amazing because there's something pleasurable in it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's you, you're seeing something, yeah. you're seeing the, your, your path get clean, but there's no thoughts in it. It's kind of, you're outdoors. So yeah, famously, every, in fact, after, the, after one job, I even jet wash the neighbours. Um, drive, <laughs> just because I was.
0: <laughs> but Somehow that is can I, part yeah, of can that. No, it's all right. No, yeah. I really, I really need to. It
1: is that, but that's terrible But on this one, I had nothing. Right. Nothing. And it took me a while. And
0: How did you get back? You just did nothing, or?
1: Um, I tried. But it's very because also. Are you scared? Uh, yes, very. Um, look, you know. Um, what did your wife think? Well, look, at her, she. I mean, she's great. We, you know, she. She's been a nurse. Um, she's got a caring sort of mentality anyway yeah. always yeah. has had i think that um but we had a lot of stuff going on we've got to, i've got so family wise i've got a beautiful family we've got two adopted kids Be- uh, bethany's 15 and sam who's 12 sam's got learning difficulties so we have got quite it's quite a, you know family's not straightforward mm-hmm. we haven't got the sort of classic and there are complications in raising a, 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 a uh, not only raising a kid with learning but also just adoption anyway I mean we adopted yeah. them when they were like 11 months and 13 months
0: it's a immensely stressful process I believe but
1: it's quite stressful and it's different and we go through and we, you know you, you going through issues on that so we had our own there was a lot of stuff going on at home and, I, and then you have that guilt thing where you feel I've not been around I've been neglecting and for all the intents and purposes all your mates think you're just having a nice time in a hotel in London and so on right. and you know yeah. and yeah and you don't look after yourself Hmm. you don't do the kind of things that I have to do to keep myself alright mentally it's actually weird enough it's exercise
0: yeah oh no totally
1: Um, but when you're that tired and you've been working away and you come home at the weekends you can't then go I'm going to go and play football this on Sunday (laughs) morning with my mates or I'm going to go on a bike ride for four hours or whatever
0: you you know are those the things you do footy and cycling I used I
1: played footy until I'm 48 now I played footy until I was 45 Um, for the last (laughs) You know this, and then I took up paragliding, <laughs> as you do, um, six years ago. I don't, I've not done any this year because it's one of those things that you have to keep current. And I was really busy with. It. But
0: is that something you have to maintain then? You can't just jump out. You c-
1: I could, I could. You have to have a license, okay. and but it's not about. It's it's for my own sort of safety. I just I've just yeah. not not done. But I did that quite religiously for a few. That was a mm. great relief. Mm. But those go out the window when you're in. When you're working in london yeah you live in sheffield
0: and then you start grabbing at food and then you start grabbing at beer and oh totally and yeah. you cannot
1: walk it's interesting now because we're doing post i mean with the post that we're doing on a couple of projects we've now got a flat because there's a few of us in sheffield that come and there's a different what i've realized mm. is that what's really difficult is when you just want to go home and mm. you do this at home mm. all the time you just want to just chill out in the lounge watch telly listen to some music mm. Whereas in your hotel, you just don't want to go and lie in bed. Do you know? What? Right. You don't just want to go and lie in bed at eight o'clock at night when you're finished. Yeah. And also it's really hard to walk past a bar when you've got a couple of people you've been working with all day. Yeah. And, go, Do you want a pit?
0: and you Do need a to party. sort of just let it soak out. Really. Yeah. And that was the danger working, having some many friends and so advertising music industry and, you know, because me and my wife... With doing the same thing for a period, she's all pretty much always done it. Was I was doing it for a period, but you just see that some people get really badly absorbed into that lifestyle, smashing it during the day, caning it in the evening, yeah. And then suddenly you get to a certain age and you haven't got a family. You're not necessarily have to have a family, but they'd sort of their life was the canery basically, yeah. yeah because it's it's a hard life uh, you know. usually or was a well paid mm. life Ooh. actually that's something I wanted to ask you about because I, I think I might have read something that you and Shane are interested in I'm always interested in because you know, I, I desperately wanted to get into anything that was remotely film related yeah. um, and I found that out because I left I did sports science uni need to so I could do more cycling and then I was working at I don't know if you were ever a clubber, but I used to work as a bar manager at Cream. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, mid 90s, we're similar age, yes. you know. Um, and and so I got sort of pulled out of Cream to go and work in this club in Manchester, uh, which is incredible. I'll leave uni and basically okay. go to Manchester and run a club. It's absolutely wow. fucking unbelievable. Um, and. Uh, and, and so that was a sort of cr- the creativity, and I just loved booking DJs and finding new DJs and stuff like that. And I realised that I really loved the creativity side, and I actually didn't, wasn't that into the glamour, and I saw the really dark underbelly of drugs trade and yeah. stuff like that. It was funny I was just talking to you in my previous podcast about that. Um, a really, really formative, short one year, yeah. just really intense. And then I was a wine merchant and that, but what I realised I have to do something creative, and. And the way I did that was because I was quite good at sales. I just ended up selling directors to music companies yes. and ad agencies. Basically, I was the director's rep. Go around with my DVDs or my UMATs in the beginning mm-hmm. and, and show that off. Um, but um, I can't remember why I started this <laughs> conversation. But I think what, what, I no- sorry, what I noticed was that I did an extremely untraditional way of getting into film, yes. was I basically went in as a sales guy and realised that there was a, a room for a different kind of sales and I did a different kind of director's reping, which is about trust rather than taking people out and getting people pissed because I wasn't very good at that, <laughs> whatever. But but most of the time you were a runner mm. and I've realised this more and more having employed people in London is how can you, if you don't come from money, how on earth can you get into film? It's, it's, it's interesting because How can you live? Well,
1: I mean I just, there was a thing there was a thing we did a couple of talks on actually last two years ago, which is really about you know diversity in film and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff around for diversity which is good and one of the one of the, what they've started to realise is socioeconomic, as in you know working class uh, or peop- and it is frightening and there's some studies out there to do with certainly with my job as a producer. There are not many of us that went to state school. <laughs> right. No, not even. Not, no. I'm not even talking about working class here in that traditional way. No. I'm talking about actually not going to a private school. Yeah. Obviously, I think when writing, there is... In terms of writing, there's obviously some amazing voices. Like, if you think about the best TV to come out the last few years, and film, acting, directing, there are much more... Although it's still tough, it's harder... Uh, but in terms of this what I did there were not many of us from a, that were from a state school. and so when we when we when I was start, when we were starting walk from my shedding uh, literally the back of the like a, a converted garage wow. um, the back of the sh- but they were, in the back of my garden that's where we did Dead Man's Shoes and This Is England the film I had an office I could use an office at Walk Records in Kentish Town so I could have my London meetings mm but what was great about that and it was deliberate is that we didn't want massive overhead no so there's just me and Barry who's still with me now as head of production and we literally the back of the garden and it meant that you could survive those lean times because you the thing with film it's still the same now you may earn nothing for two years mm. and then you it's, a bit, it's like I guess like architects or something you you then you, you're trying to get funding to design something you design it you sell it you get a fee from it and that's the money that you How did you
0: live to get those films made?
1: So like I say when we to be honest my wrongs it was the first thing that we did with Chris Morris I I didn't the money that I earned that year just about covered the mortgage and we lived on my wife's nursing Mm. money but we didn't have I didn't have a big expensive lifestyle I'm not into cars never been into cars I had a house that was that that was cheap Mm. Uh, the mortgage was very little. Um, uh, I had a shed that you know. There were, there, it, I, I didn't have an office, hmm. and so so. Don't get me wrong. Now I'm sat in my office in London. I've got an office in Sheffield. We've got staff, but it's not. But it's a, a posh office. Rough, no, no, it's, it's not. It's,
0: not um, it's a nice office, but it's not. Uh, you're not no. showing off your wealth or your success. Well, no, there at, isn't. Uh, I mean,
1: to be honest with you, I always say this. I do a lot of talks, and there is not a. I mean, there isn't. There is not huge amounts of money in independent filmmaking.
0: But there's a presumption that if people see something on the TV or see it in a cinema. You must be living the life, have cool. everything. Yeah, but but also, I think there's this so something I've been going through recently is a sort of realignment about what life is. And I think one of my obsessions with Volkheim was about I wanted to prove to myself the world that I could do an incredible world beating yeah. thing like overarching ambition, the bullshit ambition yeah. basically. And I don't know where that came from, doesn't really matter. But having had that knocked in my head and actually being forced to concentrate on my family, yes, having to forced to look after my kids not because I didn't want to because I didn't before because I didn't have yeah. time I didn't have the focus so I suddenly go that's better so this is a better life and I don't want to have to go through that shit again yeah. that was far too stressful so now I want to start a new business I love running a small business I've got ideas I want to be creative all this kind of stuff but I want safety I need safety what I did to yeah. my family isn't fair I don't want to do that again and I want to be able to see my kids Yeah. so how do I construct that and what I was saying to you when I came in was like what well, I've just done and spread this blog, which is incredible it got so well read is just talking about basically getting rid of debt yes. and so we did the what you didn't you did it the right way is <laughs> me and Emily basically did the classic London thing we arrived in London didn't earn very much suddenly did really really well worked really hard got very well paid yes. got lots of stuff yeah. got a big mortgage a big yeah. house and all that and then realised eventually certainly myself and hopefully Emily agrees that we weren't very happy uh-huh. we just had a lot of shit yeah. and a lot of debt and a lot of problems and we gradually have just been changing that I've fundamentally changed that over the last few years we've been forced to realign and now you know I have a lot more freedom I've ever had to hopefully um, because you know I'm not owned by the man yeah and but that the last time that happened was when I was in my early 20s yeah um, and it, it's very nice. I'm just much more tired. <laughs> you know.
1: Well, you do, I and mean, yeah, I mean, I think ours was just—I don't know—if I was living in London, who knows what path it might have taken. Um, but because we really wanted to remain a Sheffield company, uh, I love London. I'm not a, one of these Northerners who like this God, oh, London. I, I love being down here. I love hanging nice. out yeah. Great place. I don't want to live here. No. That's all. I'm into the. I'm. I'm, I'm at the edge of the Peak District. My, I love walking, I've got two dogs What have you got? I've got a Vizsla uh, who's eight and a, and a working black lab so two big dogs I'm literally five minutes from the peaks which is great about Sheffield Lush. Go, uh, well, like I say, paragliding was my for the last mm-hmm. six, that was my main thing uh, mountain biking well, you know, those are, that's what I like that, I, I literally crave that space but that's the
0: antidote trip. to what you do yeah. working on it's
1: totally the antidote and it has been for years I've always mm-hmm. been into that, the kind of the, the, the outdoors mountains mm-hmm. hills so I live there because I choose to live there and uh, you know and it's not and Sheffield is not weird enough it's not that much I mean you can buy a house cheaper of course but there are certain areas you know, like but it's not like massively cheaper it's just you don't need as much money no. I mean, in the early days of the business we didn't need that amount of money Outdoors be, is the playground
0: for me yeah. anyway. When we had money, we used to go... I, I, I love going to nice restaurants, um, but London paled for us once we had kids and priorities changed. Basically, you don't have time or money, so what's the point? Yeah. You can't do any of the London stuff. Yeah. And now both of us... Emily grew up in rural Lancashire. I grew up in rural Nottinghamshire. And you you go into Somerset, which is kind of you yeah. know our thing on the edge of Bath. And basically almost all we do with our kids as well is just do outdoor stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it, you know. And um, I get to ride my bike, and people don't try to kill me. So <laughs> that's quite nice as well.
1: And that, yeah, and that's. The th- but there is. You always, I think, you always have these hang-ups. I was saying, I was talking to somebody. It's weird. I've got. I said my my fifteen year old's got GCSEs this year, and she's really, you know, she's been she's struggling. That tricky. She's been struggling. I mean, she's going through, gone through a lot in the last couple of years with the and actually, um, and she's only just traced her birth family brothers and siblings um, in the last help, 12 man. months I've, it's been the reason I'm going back tonight is I'm actually she's meeting her birth mum for the first time tomorrow wow so she's met her siblings because they're all in different some wow. of them are with grandparents she's not actually met her birth mum she's been in contact uh, texting that kind of thing and we're going to actually I'm taking her to her half sister's birthday tomorrow and we're and she's meeting for the first time so mm. she's going through this GCSE thing and it's interesting because I was talking about one of the hang-ups you do have this sort of like from not being from money is I still have imposter syndrome terribly oh yeah I mean terribly and a lot of it it's not that other people are. you know there are it's still even even with some of the successes of the films that we've made mm. you still feel that you're still having to mm. there are barriers there you still feel it and I've been mm. having it was interesting it was in the build-up to doing Jamie because it was a bigger film American Finance and I've had this dream a few years ago, but I've not had it for ages, where... And I've had it three or four times in the last year. And it literally is, I'm doing my A-levels. Now. Right. And I've not revised, because I'm working. And I've mm-hmm. got to do my maths, and I've got to do my English lit. The A-levels, and it's all still at the school that I went to, this comp. And um, And I've not revised, I've not revised. Mm-hmm. And I go into this thing, and I sit there, and I've not revised, because I've been busy. And I've wung it a little bit, and I fail... But it's me now It's not me as 16 Mm. It's me now Or 18 And They take everything away And I go to the Mm. office the next day And it's like I can't get in Because I've failed my Mass A level Mm. But I'm 48 Yeah (laughs) And I keep having this dream And it must And I'm like It's like this kind of It's all about At any moment Mm. Somebody can just take it away from you And that's what's happening in this dream I'm taking it away Because I've kind of Somebody's found me out (laughs) The blagging has failed (laughs) For the last time
0: and it's yeah. true because I think that public school kids so not I used to be quite snobby, mm-hmm. I, like reverse snobby about public mm-hmm. school kids. Like A lot of people think I'm... Assume I'm from a public school because I'm relatively well-spoken, especially where, where I come from because my mum's French and so I just didn't have an accent. or was much of an accent. And um, and I, I went... I was offered a place, a, a scholarship and I turned it down So I didn't want to go to public mm-hmm. school and I probably had a chip on my shoulder and I what I've worked out is that everyone goes to shit. It's the thing I was talking about the podcast and everyone's struggling, but in different ways. But I was resented or had resented what they got and I didn't. Mm. But, but I realised now that what they got more than anything was self-confidence, mm. was that you can do anything. You are great at this. You can go out there and you can take what's yours. Mm. And I think sometimes that can boil into, you know, like Hmm. a bad thing. If you take what's yours or you think think is yours, it may not be yours to take. And I think that's a different thing about politics. But for me, you know, you know, not wanting to do that, pull my socks up and go, you know, it's sort of cliche, but I did. I worked for everything I got, but I always felt like I was not allowed or still feel like I wasn't supposed to be here. And so I, I always used to say, and I've changed this now, I always used to say, because I, I trying to analyse myself and try and look at my failings, and I go, well, I've always thought I was intimidated by talent, mm-hmm. so I was, I've never been interested in fame, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't like being around famous people, I think it's a stressful thing, like for the sake of it, because I just think it's such a facile thing, whereas the, probably the most intimidated I've ever been was serving Chris Morris coming into a wine watch <laughs> odd bins just round the corner okay, actually yeah. and I just went oh my god it's Chris Morris oh my god like yeah. he's my creative hero oh my, oh, 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 day to day so. etc yeah. and, um, and and like I completely flushed what I was talking about which is probably like that's three <laughs> or whatever and and so I thought okay I'm just intimidated by time actually I've realised I'm intimidated by very well educated powerful people mm. and I think that's because of imposter syndrome mm. and I think who am I to be here? Mm. Why would I, why am I good enough to be amongst these people who've had far better educations and know far more about the world and all this kind of stuff? And I know it's bollocks, but um, still there. And it's interesting yeah. because I think to, to just to polish that off into a, something more positive, is I think what I'm interested in is about those moments in a kid's life where they could go one way or the other. Mm. And if you, if you always talk, think about the positive influence... Like, I, I heard... Um, it, again, it, uh, I'm, I'm not that as much of a cry as I make out I am, but I heard the thing about Ian Wright. Uh, Ian Wright, Ooh. a footballer coming from a uh, difficult background, difficult stepfather, I think, and, you know, being a, a rapscallion. <laughs> and he went to prison. Ooh. And he came out, and there was a guy from a football club who saw his tongue and took him under his wing and fathered him, gave him the fatherly love he'd never had. Um... And having a difficult relationship with my father, that really hit home. And so, because uh, I come from a single parent family. And so I just thought that guy changed his life into one of the greatest footballers in England history, mm. you know, whether you like Arsenal or not. And I just thought, my God, if it hadn't happened, mm. that, what would be in right now? Would he be alive? What would he be doing? Yeah. And, and I think about me, whether I had interventions at any point in my life. I think it was just my mum. My mum was very supportive, mm. she was great. But again, what was there something for you and how can we intervene for other people? How can we get people into the film industry? Because you know, as a creative so, out- I mean, out- I guess I guess it's
1: I mean, I was very lucky. I had parents that were together from like teenagers, still together in the seventies, and great. And they always there was never a even growing up like like in a in a little mining town which is like Cunningsbury in South Yorkshire where we mm-hmm where my parents and grandparents were from, um, what was interesting is that they never got... There was never any holding back. Like So they went came from... So my dad went to university. He was one of the first... Uh, the first of his family to... Like, mm. uh, both sides of the family, mm. to go and do to uni. And so... Because... So education... So even though he... he You'll say he was from this... He was from this place. He never... There was never a kind of... I never had people saying you can't achieve that. There was no can't. Mm. I guess because the dad had done something right. different. Yeah. And then I vote... So I've very, I'm very lucky in that, like, like, that I had parents that would always give you that... Uh, they wouldn't be able to fund you doing things, but they would be able to support you doing something. And they, you know, you know, so they would... Mm. They've always helped out and still do, on bo- both on mine and my wife's side. So very lucky in that, loving and... Supportive. I think that one of the things that I've noticed now, I don't know if it's getting easier or harder. I think that the way people consume films, it's democratized a little bit than when, certainly, even when I was started making short films. To make a short film, you needed 30 grand minimum because it was shot on film. Yeah. Because video was rubbish, it looked Mm. awful. Now we are moving away from that. You can edit, we edited, it was amazing, you know, we've edited Dead Man's Shoes on a on a consumer Mac yeah and this is England on you know Final Cut if anyone, you, can, right. you didn't have to rent these expensive Soho facilities so there is mm. a little bit of difference there in people making stuff and um, it's about opportunity I mean we we have uh, you know the people I have employed over the last few years um, I've never really I don't I don't take any notice of what school they went to mm. Uh it's the person it's the person yeah so the more that infiltrates into general consciousness and the more mm. opportunities the more
0: you just don't always get. want to keep mixing it yeah it's just,
1: all you could, and I'm not going like to say you mix it there's nobody but at the same time people that work with me and for me and I've not you know some people did go up, up to mm. private school I've no, mm. no issue it's just so long as it's an even, more an even playing field
0: I, I lost started to lose more and more my, um, my prejudice I guess is I'm more and more honest to myself, is uh, that um, because my wife went to public school, but her mum paid for her to go there, and but uh, she said she has such incredible opportunities, and she always says to me, imagine what would have happened to you if you um gone to gone to, taken that scholarship and gone to a prop school. Oh. I, I don't, I don't know. If she said prop school, oh. maybe I'm imagining it, but I really hate that because I go, yeah, but that's regret, yeah, that's that's hindsight and that's bullshit. You know, I did what I did, yeah. Um and. I'm very happy. I've been with her for 24 years, and I've got two kids, and yeah. you know things are pretty good. You know, yeah. and uh, and so if I'd gone and done X, I could have got run over a bus by a bus the next day. It's bullshit. You can never, I, you can't. You can set never have
1: I mean, I've done this. I won't then mention. There's been a couple of things on TV recently that I've absolutely loved, and we had an opportunity to make them at one time. Mm. At the time, it was the we couldn't make it didn't have the capacity or the time. Mm. Or resources, and you—the one thing you do do it. I still do it, but you cannot live by the. You you make mistakes for a reason. Mm. You've just got to. You make the best decision at the time. Yeah, and you at the time, and I've made. I've taken. I've taken financial hits. You know, I was offered something like there was one time when I was offered some profits in something, Uh, but we just got off. We just got a house. Uh, It was a bit of a wreck. I needed the money. Mm. got a kit, you know, um, and so I took the fee I wanted and forgave the the, the if you like the the shares mm. because I needed the money at that time. Mm. I'd have made that different decision. I'd have, <laughs> That was the, the the difference. I mean, financially,
0: it was huge. It was, it's like it was, Alec Guinness when he invested was, in Star yeah, Wars. And... It would have been an amazing, <laughs> not, not you know, not it was, that scale. Not that scale it, was, it, was, it, was,
1: it was tens of thousands. The parents, better off, had I taken that. But you go, actually, that led me on to that. Sure. So that time when I did... When I made the first film off a of walk, which was My Wrongs, which was a four grand fee, with Chris Morris, brilliant, for a year, made me meet Paddy. Paddy introduced me to Shane. Yeah? The, you know, that meant, led to Dead Man's Shoes, mm-hmm. which led to This Is England, which led to... The, you know, so all yeah. of these things all of these things that at the time feel like you might have made the wrong choice were the right choice for me.
0: And those films may or may not have got made, and if they hadn't got made, they wouldn't be the same as they are now. Yeah, and, you so, know. That,
1: yeah, so that, that's... So you, you can't, you know... I'm doing this now because, you know, you've got the, like I say, 15-year-old and, and Evie's nearly 21 at uni, and you kind of go in... And they get, the, the, the anxieties, the anxiety of comparing people in social media which we never had yeah it's really frightening me and it frightens Mm -hmm. the hell out of me I mean even that I don't you know I don't I do it and I think I'm wise or wiser than Mm -hmm. my kids but I you do it and there's that and I keep trying to get over to them somebody sent me this amazing Japanese uh, proverb which is that you have three faces Uh, the first face is the face that shows the world that's your first face. The second face is the face that you show to your closest, mm-hmm. your wife, your kids, your f- close friends. Mm-hmm. And the third face is who you really are, and that's the true reflection of you. Mm. It's a very old Japanese. But then, I re- but then somebody related to it to social media, in that you might be in your third face, how you feel, and you're looking through social media, going through, and you're comparing your friends who are showing their first face. Yes, and I was trying to explain this to my kids That's good, and it was a really good way to do it because I said mm. remember that holiday we mm. have had the worst family holidays you can imagine <laughs> near drownings accidents illnesses terrorist incidents in Egypt all these God. like literally the worst holidays ever and I said to my kids look at the pictures of our holiday that we posted they looked like we had the best time ever. Can you remember how much of a nightmare that was right. when we were stuck in Egypt for five days?
0: Because nobody wants to put. Look at how shit. happy we
1: look, yeah. and that's something. So when you're looking and you're yeah. not, you're, you're sad on a Sunday night or wherever, yeah. and your friends are out and they're, and you're you you're, you've got to revise or whatever, you're comparing that third face to their first face. So just bear that in mind. Mm. And it was the one thing that was actually stuck. You know, it was, mm. you know, like you sort of. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's terrifying. And
0: yeah, it's true. And uh, how are you doing for time, by the way? I have probably got another five. Okay, what we'll you say?
1: Yeah, well, if we pause it for the loop, because I've drank quite yeah, a lot. Oh, yeah, oh <laughs> We can do
0: those. When yeah, then we'll you, do a, you, a, you can edit that a out. conclusion. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, of course. Mm. The, steps of Mark walking back in um, yes. so I think that concludes it really nicely because you know something I've realised having used social media a lot especially to sort of get Volpine going and, and being really into that and really stepping away from social media and seeing the benefits of that when I have a breakdown is basically coming back in is because I run an online company I can't oh. kind of need social media but I've fallen out of love with Twitter because I think it's changed I like, like Instagram it's quite visual and creative it can be but but the point is and something I'm really trying to get to with Fram is I want Fram to be a less alpha male everything's perfect uh-huh. male brand but still masculine uh-huh. um, you know I, I as a man still, I want to feel that whatever my masculinity is you know everyone's different I've got my wife's lips um, uh, nail varnish on my uh-huh. married that's like a solidarity, solidarity okay. thing I have with my wife as on my wedding ring finger as I have no anyway, so that's a little bit. Of, I'm quite, probably quite feminine for a straight bloke, quite over emotive, etc. But the point is that I, um, I want to also have a brand that talks honestly mm-hmm. about life and that we all go through shit and everything. I find out all the time about talking to you, Or anyone else in podcast, the people who DM me. You know, problems is that. You could have the coolest, supposedly coolest, richest, you know, uh, most entertaining person and they've gone through massive shit, you know, because it's life. We're all going to go through shit. Some of us go through worse things than others. But social media, as you say, is toxic because it presents a veneer. Yeah. And the problem is when you keep getting bombarded with veneer, eventually you start to believe that's the truth. Yeah. And it's just not true. And that for me, having done a lot of marketing and been working in advertising film, you know, and, and those sort of veneer aspects uh, of of film basically, is I've realised that maybe in the past I've helped undermine mental health by saying that everything's great. Mm. So, what I want to do with Fram is do something beautiful yeah. and show that life is beautiful because it mm. is, mm. but also show that it's got shit as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, you endure. I mean, you can have literally long periods of time when you're going through especially you know like they say, you know when you're you've got you've got kids going through stuff you've got mm-hmm. parents getting old you know it's a you know it's all it's tough it's, it's a tough time you know in terms of like I was talking to some, somebody the other day who you know um, they were really struggling for somebody they had an emergency and the, per, the parents were not very well that they might not only rely on and they couldn't get them to look after their kid because another kid had to go into hospital it was just one of these things and you're going but actually it's not you know that's what you you, that comparison thing is all because you compare these like amazing people who are rich Mm. and famous Mm. that's what Instagram seems to do with a lot of people but then you could you know you've got to be grateful for that I mean I did this thing last I did a thing for charity on Friday night I did a sleep out for Roundabout which is a homeless charity in Sheffield for 16 to 24 year olds and we did this sleep out. Um, it was freezing, it was cold but, and we did it, we raised some money for charity, we met some of it and then um, but on Saturday morning, I didn't have a very good night's sleep on this cold concrete floor, but I went back and I got into my bed
0: mm. and I slept context
1: slept till half, slept till half a day. and if I had to think about doing that mm. on the Saturday night, I would have just uh, oh god it filled me with dread the fact that I might have to do that, yeah. and, that and people who've lived at it, and you, you mm. know so you, this is but you, you know comparing you I've got you know gratitude is something that you should really practice I think yeah. and, and just go you know what actually I haven't got the green light on this project that we're going to get which mm. might have mm. got us our fancy holiday of this year we're going to have to hold off on the holiday mm. but I've got a nice house you know mm. it's warm I can feed you I can look mm. after the kids you know and he was saying about that that's always something and and somehow what was interesting for me doing this experience of the night we did it to raise money it was no other and this charity amazing in Sheffield we've supported them for a bit but what well, actually did more than anything when I got on the tram going back up to the house on the next day and it's half six and it was like the frost on the car and you're freezing you're literally aching I did one night mm. just one night and I was
0: destroyed. <laughs> we, we forget how lucky we are. No, Especially destroyed. in this country. Most people oh, in this country are incredibly yeah. lucky. Yeah. It often doesn't feel like it. But um, when the rest of the world is yeah. pretty much living in poverty. Yeah, 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 got, we're yeah. super lucky. Cool, yeah. Bros. Well,
1: so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to
0: go yeah. to my... Um, oh, before yeah. you go, here's Prezi. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a jacket. Um, oh, that's you you really don't have a shot on now if you're short, short of time. I'm,
1: gonna, I'm going to, a, I'm going to a, an award ceremony and I've got my... My Sheffield puffer jacket on, which is really <laughs> so. This is going to help me look cool.
0: Is that so? you am going to wear it. Oh, cool. That's cool. Cool. Well, can I try yeah, it on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, can. Oh cool.
1: I'm at my post shoot weight as well. I'm a stone. Oh, you always a stone heavier after um, after coming off a shoot.
0: Because of craft services. Craft
1: services catering. Yeah. Bacon in the morning. I mean, <laughs> I never have bacon at home. But if you're waking right. at six o'clock before you're back I was you know, sausage rolls. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it might be a bit, anyway, but... Oh wow! That's perfect. It's Good fit. Oh, bro. That's gorgeous. Perfect. I'm digging that, Nick. Thank you very much. <laughs> very beautiful. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but trust me, it's a very nice. I didn't mean to jacket. do a cheesy, here's a presentation
0: by <laughs> product thing, but since no, no, we're here, <laughs> I'm very. Thank you very much. Cool. I'm really into that. Yeah. Thanks, thank you. you. Take care. What more can I add? Um, I'll just do the usual plugs. So you can go to fromjackets.com and buy a jacket or look at jackets or completely ignore jackets. Um, From Jacket uh, is the Instagram and la la la. Um, But I I just think... um, if you haven't seen some of those films and TV programs, please do. Um, I, I know some people who may be put off by some of the subject matter, but, but they are enjoyable. They're, they're not always heavy going. Um, I, I love the light and the dark. And, you know, for me, probably, you know, definitely top five films of all time is Dead Man's Shoes. Um, I would definitely watch that. This is England. It's incredible uh god oh jesus i can just list them all um i'm desperate to watch the virtues i am a bit scared of it i think it will be pretty full-on but i know i'll you know i'll appreciate it when i do but uh whatever you do just enjoy a bit of culture and rem- remember that the people behind it aren't all sitting in gilded mansions um smoking massive cigars they're working incredibly fucking hard to make it happen and if jump through a lot of hoops to get there Um whatever background you know everyone tries hard to get to that point there are no easy wins into to uh, fill what that's sort a of level of creativity um, but most of all look after yourself remember that if you're struggling uh, there are other people struggling even though it may not look like it and uh, take care bye